Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bob McCowan podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Well, we spent all of yesterday, the holiday Monday, um, the two of us yakking oh, about so, so, so baseball. I get double time for yesterday. You get you get the same as you got the day before and the day before that. Wow. Um, so we went through the Blue Jays situation. But it was just the two of us, and we've had another day to think about it. <laughs> and uh, now it is time to bring in some fresh meat. And let's see what uh, two of our baseball guys think about what happened on the weekend. And maybe even more importantly, some first stabs at what happens next. Does this manager keep his job? What kinds of player changes might you make? We'll address all of this with Dave Hodge and Dave Perkins. Uh, Come back and join us after these messages. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Uh, we are back, McCown, Shannon, and uh, the Daves are with us. Dave Hodge, Dave Perkins. Well, it has been a few days. We've had a chance to digest, calm down a little bit uh, after the Blue Jays getting swept by the Seattle Mariners. No, the debacle Saturday. Forget about the sweep. The debacle Saturday. That's the key. Well, that's obviously what we're going to discuss. An 8-1 lead is uh, coughed up, and uh, they lose it 10-9. General reaction and thoughts. I mean, we spent yesterday talking about it, and I'll reiterate some of the things I had to say, but um, give me your, your thought pattern here. This was... Not what the Blue Jays wanted, Dave Hodge. Well, my overriding uh, view and question would be if Charlie Montoyo had been managing, what would the reaction be? I think we know. (laughs) So then the question is, John Schneider was managing, not Charlie Montoyo. How different is the reaction based on the fact that Schneider had received good marks uh, taking over the team and getting the team into the playoffs. But all those good marks disappeared in two games against Seattle. And how do you evaluate Schneider's work? And how do you uh, examine the Blue Jays' future with respect to their manager based on what happened? I think those are 
uh, important questions, and I don't think there, there are easy answers to them. Perkins? Well, it, you know, it, it, it did not surprise me. I've been waiting for this for a while. I didn't expect them to piss away an eight to one lead. I, you know, I can't even remember the, the bigger one from 1929. I mean, it was just, uh, it was nuts, but this hasn't been a great bullpen all year. It was a mediocre kind of middling bullpen. And, you know, Schneider clearly panicked. I mean, the way he, he arranged his, his pitchers, he wanted Romano to get two complete innings, which he never, ever does. Like uh, Schneider just, uh, Schneider messed this one up, but that's, you know, the whole team messed up, if you ask me. They, they, they did the typical Blue Jay thing. They got a big lead and started throwing peanuts in each other's hair and jumping around and pretending the game was over. And I, in the fourth inning, when it was eight to one, I, I turned to my wife and said, why are they jumping up and down? This game is not over. Like, I think they need an outside manager to come in here and stop putting up with all this crap that goes on with all this, all this wonderfulness, you know, uh, we're having fun. No, oh, we're the fun team. We're this, we're that. The other thing, this team loses its concentration level very, very quickly. We've seen it. They're great in blowouts, but, but they're not so good against good teams. They have, they weren't all year. We know that. So uh, I think they need to, to change things up in the dugout. And it starts there. I got nothing against Schneider. He seems like a, a real decent guy. But but to me, this is Leafs 2.0. Everybody comes back. All the stars come back. And everybody says, well, whatever happened, and, you know, in the Leafs case, happened for years and years and years and years. But everybody says, oh, well, I, that's not the real thing. The real thing is we're the champions. We're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. And the same people come back, and the same thing keeps happening. Well, I'd shut that off right now and, uh, and go a different way, if, if it were me. Well, let me throw my two cents in here. I did yesterday. I'll be brief as, as brief as I can. There are two things about Schneider. Um, number one, do you make a move with the bullpen when he did? Your starting pitcher has done a good job. He's thrown 93 pitches. His arm is not falling off. And besides which, it's the postseason. I leave him in there. I don't go to the bullpen at all. But that's not going to happen in today's baseball, I suppose, at least not with this team or this manager. Number two, you have the bases loaded. You obviously feel you need to get an out. That's why you're replacing your starting pitcher. But you go to your fourth or fifth best reliever in that situation. And that boggles my mind. You know, you guys talked about mismanaging the bullpen. Well, he did mismanage the bullpen in this game. But it's to be conceded also that this was a bullpen that was suspect all year long. This is, was, there was no, there was no 100 mile an hour guy there. Well, Every Bob. team that the Blue Jays have faced have thrown a 100 mile an hour guy. You had a starting pitcher throwing 103 the other day. You had two Seattle relievers, I think, that hit 100 in this series. You had nobody in the Blue Jay bullpen that was close to that. Romano at 97 was the best. And that eventually is going to catch up to you. And it did in this game. David? I, I listen every day, Bob. And uh, I, I take your comments about 
100 mile an hour plus pitchers. And I remind you that the fastest pitch thrown this season was thrown by Ryan Helsley of the St. Louis Cardinals, who threw most of his pitches over 100. 104 was clocked as the fastest pitch this season. Ryan Helsley came into a 3-0 lead, ninth inning save situation against the Phillies in game one of that series and gave up four runs and the Cardinals unceremoniously bowed out in two games. Um, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in how fast a guy is throwing. Uh, I think it can help if he's a great pitcher uh, all round, but, um, you know, <laughs> I don't need Jordan Romano to be throwing any harder to be one of the best closers uh, in baseball. I just need Jordan Romano to get three outs and not be asked to get six outs. But let, let me examine Schneider from a different uh, standpoint. I was at the Roger Maris 61 game and my jaw dropped and was sitting on the floor of the Rogers Center when John Schneider summoned Tim Meza, a left-handed pitcher, to face Aaron Judge, who was seeking to uh, tie history in the American League. John Schneider plays the matchup game like every other manager does, and what in the world is a lefty coming in to face Aaron Judge in that situation? You know what happened. Uh, first, Aaron Hicks got on, and then Judge broke a 3-3 tie with his 61st homer of the year. I said to uh, my seatmate, you'll never see that happen again. Uh, Tim Mesa coming in to face a right-handed batter. Guess what? Guess what? Uh, in, uh, in the sixth inning, Kevin Gosman leaves, bases are loaded. Carlos Santana's the batter, switch hitter, of course, he's moving to the right side. And in comes Tim Mesa a lefty to face Carlos Santana, wild pitch, one run, Homer, three more runs, one more out for, uh, for Mesa, and then he's gone, and in comes Jimmy Garcia, who happened to be the guy that replaced um, the lefty Mesa against the Yankees after the judge home run. So you explain to me, or John Schneider must need to explain to somebody, uh, why all of a sudden um, he, he goes against the book and brings in a lefty in two of the most notable um, matchup situations of the season. I, it, my mind boggles, and uh, then there were all sorts of other things that were questionable about what, about what Schneider did. But at the top of my list, Tim Mesa twice facing right-handed batters and I don't know. I don't know why. Neither do I. Perk, want to throw two cents in? Well, it, you know, it's it, be, the short answer for me is because some computer somewhere told him to do it. That's that's my my short answer. Like like it's all everything's based on what some guy sitting at a keyboard decides, right? I mean, that's where all the decisions come from. So, I mean, God Almighty, if you if you were old school and you looked at, at Carlos Santana, he slugs higher from the right side. 
than he does from the left. He's got a higher slugging percentage from the right side. So in a bases loaded situation, possibly you want to go the other way, I would say, but because he'd already hit a ball off the top of the wall, uh, I guess they were terrified that uh, some computer program somewhere said, oh my God, you know, so here it comes and, and away we go, you know. But this is not just on pitching. Uh, we touched on it yesterday, oh, and uh, I mean, I mean the, the, that comedy of errors in the eighth inning, with Bichette going to you know to shallow center and Springer coming in. You know, I, I maintain that's something that both of you guys, when you coached little league baseball, would tell your shortstop. Exactly. That that was a that was a a a, a terrible error. They should still have been in the lead. Yeah. In the yeah. bottom of the eighth, they should have been in the lead in the bottom of the eighth had they played that play correctly. Am well, I am the, I wrong? No, the correct well, the correct thing with a three run lead is Jackie Bradley's and George Springer is not healthy and he can't hit, so taking him out uh, doesn't uh, hurt you there. Even though Jackie Bradley can't hit either, but all year long, again, this is Schneider going against what you would expect him to do. Uh, insert Jackie Bradley into the game for defensive purposes. If you want to move Springer to right field, I would, I mean, I think you take him out of the game, but everybody uh, insists that nobody called that ball. And if nobody calls the ball, it's not Bo Bichette's fault to go after it. It is the center fielder's job to say, that's my ball. Now Springer wasn't positioned terribly well. He didn't get a good jump at all. Bradley probably would have, would have. Um, and so, you know, again, count them up. The wrong guy's in center field. Uh, the guy who was in center field doesn't make the right uh, call. And uh, the result is that Bo Bichette is doing what he's supposed to do. And that's go after the ball unless somebody tells him not to. So a lot of guys messed up, but I don't put Bichette at the top of the list at all. Mm. I, I, I and but you you actually you, when you compared Dave Hodge to the uh, w what would Charlie uh, Montoya yeah. be criticized about? Isn't John? I mean, uh, and this is almost a question I don't know the answer to. But it, it isn't isn't John Schneider getting the same input that Charlie Montoya was getting from somewhere no. else? No, I think I think uh, you know Montoya would be gone yesterday uh, if he was if he managed that game, and Schneider is not gone yesterday. Uh, or today or tomorrow, uh, in all likelihood, uh, because uh, he, he received uh, positive reviews for most of what he did when he took over. And, you know, it's going to be said and has been said that uh, he was an interim manager. He, if he did well uh, in that uh, situation, he should have a chance to go to spring training, make it his team. Uh, I, I, think, I think he gets he gets a lot more uh, consideration for what he did right than Charlie Montoyo ever would have. So, but, you know, then you come I think back. there's lots of people that would suggest without Schneider, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Well, how can you not make the playoffs this year? There was seven teams trying. There were seven teams trying. Baltimore and, and, wasn't and, that far out, Dave. I mean, if, if, if you... I, I, mean, I understand on. that. And Baltimore lost 110 games last year. Yeah, come but that's, got I mean, enough, that's was, immaterial. Wins were never easier to come by than this year, right? There were seven teams that absolutely were not trying. 
they were they were they were you know they they were tanking as, as sure. they'd say in the NBA or the NFL. They were tanking, so it was they had one team to beat. Thank God they they beat the one team, and then the other two teams that were in the wild card picture had bad last weeks, and and Toronto finished fourth. Good, God bless them. But there was never a time this season we didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Right from they were the World Series betting favorite going into the season. Has everybody forgot that? Their under-over win total was 93 and a half. They didn't get there. I mean, but but it was a very high win total. They were the betting favorites. This was this was not a surprise that they made the playoffs. Come on, let's not let's it not was, pretend that. No, I'm not it, suggesting it, that at all. Right. I, what I am suggesting is, is that you know, when they fired Montoya, this team was really remember that West Coast swing? But, I mean, it was, right. it was in the playoffs. But Oh, they were it, it, it was nip and tuck at, at times dave it was nip and tuck it was a surprise that they didn't beat seattle <laughs> you know right. the, the 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 goal was to uh was to be the top wild card team so they got all three games uh at at home and they managed to do that then it was assumed dave you said you weren't surprised um i think i think most of toronto was shocked right that the blue jays did not advance and uh, and beat Seattle in in two straight and go on to to Houston. That is uh, um, a significant failure uh, that they, that they didn't go beyond round one, and thus getting to round one was yes was to be expected. But um, I, I, you know I don't know how much uh, you want to study. Uh, the two games against Seattle to try to determine what needs to be done. Uh, some people will say, you know, things happen in baseball and, you know, the Bermuda Triangle uh, uh, bases clearing double by, by Crawford is just one of those things and let's not overreact. But other people will say, hold on just a minute. Um, like I said, if, if that's Charlie Montoyo, he's gone. Um, so um, is John Schneider's success leading up to the playoffs of any real importance when he shows no ability to do the right thing in two playoff games? I mean, we forget game one. And I know they weren't going to win that game because they didn't score any runs. But what was Alec Manoa coming out of the game in the sixth inning for? He'd thrown 79 pitches. And if you're in a playoff series, the last thing you want to do is go to the bullpen any, any sooner than you have to, especially when you're trailing and you're thinking, if, you know, it's, we're probably going to have to go to three games to win this series. And your starting pitcher is fine. I mean, he wasn't fine in the first inning, but in the sixth inning, he's fine. And out he comes and you go to five relief pitches the rest of the way. Right. Now, they didn't all throw a whole lot, but Tim Mesa threw, he got three outs and came back in game two and we know what, what happened there. And the, you know, the, the whole Romano thing, I mean, it's fine to well, not fine to think he can get six outs, but the argument there is, you know, he's our closer and he's going to get six outs and he's going to save the game. As soon as the game was tied, it's no save situation. Bringing him back in the ninth inning made no sense. What did make, what would have made sense, was to put a starting pitcher into the game because you might go 11 or 12 or 13 innings and you got two starting pitchers sitting there, one in the bullpen from the start of the series, and that's Barrios, and the other guy is supposed to pitch game three, but 
Game three doesn't happen if you lose game two. So Stripling was an option too. Not Romano for another inning after what happened in the eighth. And that brings up a point that, that I was making Saturday night to people. They, they'd already named Stripling, Stripling as the third game starter, right? So that means you've got a guy, Barrios, to whom they paid on $131 million that they're not going to use. They choose not to use, okay? Ryu, to whom they paid $80 million, he's gone anyway. And Kikuchi, God love him. If we ever see Kikuchi in the postseason, it's too soon. There's a quarter billion dollars that the front office has spent on pitching that they did not was not going to be used in this series. Really? Like, like, and what happens next year now? You got the same three guys that you're paying 20 million a year to, and their best pitcher isn't even one of them. Manoa is their best pitcher. Thank God he's not, you know arbitration you know, maybe do it give him a strider contact or something but what are they supposed to do with this rotation next year with all the money they're now spending on pitchers they didn't use you know thank god for gausman and his his 22 million or 21 or whatever he makes but uh holy lord what are they supposed to do next year they're gonna have to get a whole bunch of cheap relievers and bob you know you were you were referencing the 100 mile an hour throwers well, I heard David Cohn on, on one of the telecasts make a terrific point about this. He says, that stuff's over. He said, the pitch clock will eliminate these guys that come out and throw 100 miles an hour on every single pitch. Cohn says, there is no way in 20 seconds they can regroup, take a deep breath, build themselves back up and come with the velocity again. Cohn says, you will see a huge drop off in these one inning relievers next year. I, I thought it was a terrific point that he made. So I think everything changes next year. I, I mean, look at the end the shifts, uh, you, the may be, you may be right. The, at the end of the day, the bullpen wasn't good enough. We knew it wasn't Correct. good enough all year long. Right. And, and it was clouded by a few successes that were overstated and overemphasized. Right. This bull, this bullpen was crap, but this manager still went with his fourth or fifth best reliever. Yep. In a situation um, like he did in game two, a situation where I would have left the starter in there. I leave Gausman in there. Um, there's no a starting pitcher in the postseason. You can't pull him after 93. Dave, you mentioned, you know, game one, you know, they pull the starter out and he's in the seventies. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. You, you can't. Uh, Blake Snell. It's the same exactly but that. But, we see, but this is this is we we can't take the the two Blue Jay games and say this is an anomaly. This is baseball now. Right. This is what's but, happening everywhere. What I'm saying is, I understand it's happening everywhere. What I'm saying is, it shouldn't be happening everywhere. And there's lots of evidence to support the theory that it shouldn't. That there comes a point if you want to if you want to put a pitch clock on. Um, on, on during the regular season, you know, who am I to say you shouldn't? But if you've got a starting pitcher that can't throw 100 pitches, 110 pitches in a game, and his arm doesn't fall off, then you got a problem. Look at it happened for a hundred years, guys through through that way, and not everybody got hurt, not everybody wound up on the DL, and they don't want to do it now. The science and they don't, of the game they don't want anybody well. to face somebody for a third time. The science I think of the it's game all is a bunch changed. of crap. And it was in evidence, I think, in this game. 
But let's get to a, a point. Do you rehire Schneider or not based on what the season was or half season and then the postseason? Perkins, I'll give you first crack. Would you I, rehire him? As I say, I got to bring in a new face here who, who didn't grow up with these guys and doesn't love them and, you know, and, and puts up with all the nonsense. I got to bring in a, an outside guy to say, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's focus on baseball here. You know what I mean? Let's not have back-to-back games. And David, you were there where Oscar Hernandez hits one off the wall and jogs and yeah. was up by 30 feet at second base if they throw. And what happens the next night? The sainted Vladdy Guerrero hits a fly ball off the wall and jogs, and he's out by 30 feet at second base. And these happen back-to-back nights. And nothing, nobody misses a game. Nobody, you know, and somebody got to come in here and say, we're not seeing this again. I'm sorry. Do well, you Schneider, think this would happen under Francona? To be fair, Schneider left his left the Charlie Montoyo spot in the dugout and did and did uh, uh, say something in those situations that uh, and got got credit for it. But I think we have to I think we have to pull back a bit from the uh, you know let's find a taskmaster who's going to come in here, crack the whip. And I don't think that that doesn't happen in baseball. Show me another dugout where a manager is uh, is is like that. Who? Showalter. Oh, I mean, the Mets had a you know had, they had a total different change there. They, you know, they fell apart in the playoffs too. But that's fine. Yeah. Cleveland doesn't play this way. I think these. I think these hundred and fifty million dollar, two hundred million dollar, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna guys. Um, you know, you're not going to have anybody come in there and make them into, uh, you know, one of 26 guys and don't think you're special and don't, you know, don't show off and, and you know, it's just not going to happen. And, and yeah, you can try to calm down what goes on in the Blue Jays dugout. And then you get Vladimir Guerrero looking sullen and morose and, Right. Uh, you know, I'm not having any fun. So how do you expect me to get any hits? Um, I, I, I think, you know, these guys got to have fun theory uh, exists in most, if not all dugouts. Mm-hmm. And you have to put up with it, but you have to temper it. And I think Schneider probably did temper it. So when it comes to me, yes, I'm going to uh, bring him back. Um, but, you know, the old short leash theory and I need to sit him down and say why did you do what you did and I would I would find it refreshing if he said you know what um yeah I panicked and I'm going to learn from it and I'm not going to manage the same way again when we get to that stage of the season because I think he's I think he's respected uh in and outside the dugout and um I think he deserves another chance, but I get the people who say, you know, it counts when it counts and you can't have a guy come back who blew an eight, one lead with basically every move being made wrong. Hmm. Well, Bob, are you bringing it back? I don't know. I still, I still don't. I, I can see both. Um, Okay, but you have to I make a decision. The answer would have been yes at the end of the regular season. <laughs> I would have been yes, I yeah, bring but... him back. The way he handled the situation in the postseason, both games, 
is very puzzling. And I know you guys always reference the fact that it's not the manager who makes those decisions, it's the front office. And I just don't know, I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't know how far the front office goes before a game in telling their manager what they want done. I don't think he's alone. I don't think he's alone in making those decisions. Okay, here, here, because I, I, everybody wants to forget game one, but both starting pitchers came out after five and two third innings. So you think maybe there's a plan you know, yeah. we, we, we don't want to, we don't want to go beyond the sixth inning or even <laughs> to the end of the sixth inning. We want to get to our bullpen basically as soon as we can, as soon as it makes any sense, even if it doesn't make sense in, in, uh, in either case. Uh, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, that neither starter in two very different games um, gets out of the sixth inning. With two very different pitch counts. Maybe that's written down somewhere. I don't know. You know darn well it's written down somewhere. That's the way the science of this game is gone. This is how this happened. I mean, ask Dave Roberts, you know, ask ask the guys in Tampa. I mean, it happens all the time now. Well, uh, what do you do with Stripling? Do you sign him? Uh, For how much? I mean, well, let's be honest. This team went without five starters the entire year, essentially. You know, they had Kikuchi there, but he was he was crap for the entire year. Um, and Ryu went down. Could you have expected that? I mean, probably yes. And and Ryu is at the end of his rope. Um, you know, I don't know what he would have given you. But you didn't have enough starting pitching from the very beginning of the year. The prospect of, of additional starting pitching wasn't there. There weren't guys in the minors who were capable of coming up and making any kind of an impact. And they, and they, they didn't even try really to do that. So from an organizational standpoint, they got to get a starting pitcher and Stripling is a starting pitcher and he's a pretty good one. I don't want to go from four to three. Um, What you need is sign Stripling and then go get somebody else. Who's a more than an ass end of the rotation guy. Do you not perk? But if he, well, Dave, go ahead. No, Dave, uh, no, Haji, go it's ahead. It's a question of economics. These guys yeah. have 13 arbitration eligible players. You, you know that, right? And they I got understand. $125 million com- committed to their first eight guys. Not my problem. It's theirs. I get that, but but they're not going into it. They're not going to become a tax team. So, how much, you know, you got 13 guys and, and guys like Romano, first time arbitration eligible. Bichette's arbitration on the ball. T. Oscar's third year. Uh, uh, Vladdy's uh, second or third year arbitration. These numbers go boom, 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 boom. So you what are you going to do? these guys for $20 million already signed. So what are you going to pay Stripling? Because well, somebody's going to go you gonna and get bigger money. You're going to have to do something serious they from a financial standpoint. They couldn't afford to keep Robbie Ray, the Cy Young winner. They couldn't afford to keep Marcus Simeon, their, their, their MVP from a year ago. You're talking history. I want to talk about the future. So what are you going so to do? I'm, about talking, it? I'm telling you about the future. Their, their payroll was in the top 10 this year, right around 10th, right? What are you going and to do about it? Gonna, you can't afford to keep stripling. They're going to have to make it up on the, on the bullpen guys, right? Those three, four, five million dollar bullpen guys and hope that they can land a guy that like, like, uh, you know, you're the kind of guy you're talking about. I, I just don't see 
you know, who are they? Unless they, they, they're going to maybe trade a piece, trade T. Oscar, trade Guriel. I don't know. They, they, you know, they're, they're in love with everybody. So, I mean, surely they've got to trade a catcher. I mean, surely you can't carry three catchers because it was Montero's time. Kirk's going to get so, traded. It's too bad, but but he's going to well, get traded. Well, Kirk or Jansen going to get traded. You could get a pretty good pitcher for a guy like that, I think. You know what I mean? Catching is a, is a black hole around the major leagues. So Maybe. I think I think the trade route rather than free agent signings is the way to go here. Well, here's my answer on Stripling, Bob, is uh, you draw a line um, beyond which you will not go because Ross Stripling at his best doesn't go beyond six innings and very often no pitcher goes beyond six innings by your own acknowledgement <laughs> no, no 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 that's no, the nature no. of the game no, no. five no. and two-thirds get out they're not allowed to that's right i don't say i agree can't. ross stripling can't doesn't, doesn't matter if you're going to get pulled anyway won't. no no so if you have to spend too much money on a guy that isn't going to give you anything more than six innings at his best, at his best, then spend that money on somebody who has the potential to give you more than six innings. And look, Manoa went, you know, he went beyond six. Gosman went beyond six. Uh, Barrios on his best day. I mean, you, you want to examine the pitching uh, then and now. Uh, the signing of Jose Barrios had the city uh, waving flags. Like, sure. that, was, that was fantastic. Oh, I know, and he had a shitty year. And, and it, it, there he is in the, in, the, uh, in the playoffs, sitting in the bullpen. And the statement that, okay, he's not, they don't want him in the, in the playoffs, bothers me because if you're in the bullpen, you, you just might get a tap on the shoulder and say, you got to go in. And as I say, I'd have had him in in the ninth inning. Well, I, I, actually, we talked about it yesterday, Dave. I would have had him in to replace Gosman. Well, I think that they're, 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 if that you doesn't know. work, then then you're boy. Um, well, I mean, at least, he play, he, at least he faces guys from both sides of the plate on a regular basis. You know? um, anyway. Have to bring him in with the bases loaded in the middle of an inning. Well, you got to bring somebody in. Come but on. But the relievers at least have done that. And, and, your, and, and to, your own, to, your own, to your own point, Perk, when you're paying a guy that much money, he better go do something. Come on. Yeah, there was a spot for him, I think, in, in the ninth inning when you did not know that the game was going to end in nine innings. And guess who got the save for Seattle? Yeah, Kirby fourth did. Kirby did. Yeah. A kid named George Kirby yeah. and the Blue Jays fourth starting pitcher, Jose Barrios yeah. isn't used and could have been used in the ninth inning and might've been pitching in the 10th and the 11th and who knows what, but instead Jordan Romano, like Seattle didn't bring back Andres Munoz in the ninth inning after he pitched the eighth, they brought in a fourth starter to say, let's, let's Clean try to nail this yeah. thing down. And um, I, I, you know, good for Scott service for thinking outside the box, but really it's not in the playoffs, you know, like anybody and everybody could, could be used in any situation. Um, and that's if you're thinking on your feet and maybe blue Jay managers don't do that. Well, is that Schneider's decision or is it the front office decision? Hey, I mean, we, you know, how do you, how do you ever, how do you ever know? I don't know um, how you know. 
I don't think anybody's saying, you know, if we get into a situation where we're we're leading by uh, by by three runs, uh, let's have Jordan Romano get the last six outs. I don't think that's in any kind of a game plan because if it is, I mean that's that's really silly. We got to um, we we got to take a quick break here. But I, what I would what I would say to to everyone is. What does Stripling make? Well, they've set the bar at lowest of what they are paying Kikuchi. They've set that bar, in my opinion. So that's $12 million. So with, with the year that Stripling had, he's at $15 million. And can you afford to pay that? Right, Dave? Absolutely, they can't. I, I would well, say. For another starting, I, I mean, they already got going to have north of $80 million set up in their starting rotation now, counting Kikuchi. So... Mm -hmm. How much can you go? How high can you go? I don't, nobody guffaw, please, but Mitch White's name hasn't been mentioned. And shouldn't be based on his performance. <laughs> no, I think it should be. That's why I mentioned it, just so I could get Shannon's reaction. Well, whatever Mitch White had in, in uh, Los Angeles, he did, didn't he have He didn't have much there either. Come on, Bob. He didn't have much there either. Yeah, he was in okay the there. He, he, he was, was look a, at the team he was playing He was on. okay there. That was a wing and a prayer, and uh, nobody was listening. No. Well, good for them. Uh, we got to take the break. We'll come back. we got a few minutes to uh, chat again <laughs> after these messages. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, well... There may come a time where we will reconvene during this offseason. I'm sure there will be, and we'll address the future of the Toronto Blue Jays with uh, in greater depth. Do you trade Hernandez? What do you do about the economics? Um, you know, is there anybody else you can move? Because this team has got to make changes clearly, and because it, it, not because they lost in the postseason, but because they have needs and things that they have to address. Um, but let's put that aside for a moment, and I'm going to throw something at you that you guys may not be aware of, but the Hockey Canada situation um, ongoing has changed slightly. The entire board of uh, Hockey Canada has resigned, including their president. So we, you know, Hockey Canada is down to nobody. Staff. Nobody is running it. Just it's, staff, yeah. It's start over again, and let's see what happens. Smith is gone, and everybody else is gone. Um, we all know what the situation has been. Um, this was, I think, what most people thought should have happened months ago, but nonetheless, it's happened now. What do we think about this, and where, where, what's the future for Hockey Canada? Dave Hodge, let me throw it to you first. Well, it, you know... It's doesn't really matter what you call it, but you probably have to call it something else. And you have to build uh, uh, an organization that um, is similar, but avoids uh, all of the things that got Hockey Canada to crumble and, and, uh, and disappear. It's not, a, it's not an easy task. 
and I don't know where you start, who your first phone call is. It's, it's a daunting uh, exercise. It involves politicians, um, which doesn't make it any easier. I, you know, this is, it, it, we got lots of answers uh, when we get together and talk about who should have been the pitcher and who should have been the manager and whatever, but I don't know, anybody's got an answer to, to, to this. I mean, this is unprecedented and very, very important that um, whoever tries gets it right. I, I you know, I, I'm, I would like John's uh, thoughts because I think John is probably closest to Hockey Canada among the four of us, John. Well, I think, you know, what we're, you know, with Scott Smith uh, being terminated and with the board resigning en masse so that they can put a new board in, um, this goes to a part of the part of the discussion of what happens to hockey about governance. And that's a, that's a, that's a tough word to figure out. And, and I think your key thing there, Dave, about politicians being involved, this is something now uh, that I, I do think that the leadership has to come from the government, that they have to be able to put in place um, checks and balances and then appoint people to, to rebuild the structure, to rebuild the organization. Um, and, and, you know, to find people to do that uh, is going to be difficult because of the stain that is in on the brand and on on hockey right now because of what's gone on and that's going to be the difficult part i don't know where they begin other than you know perhaps it is on the floor of the house maybe it is there and say listen this is what we're going to do to hockey this is how important hockey is because this is a big business too this is millions and millions and millions of dollars um that that help the game prosper across the country and help people participate but really, you want politicians to make these kinds of decisions? We well, we we well, who's 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 going to do it, Bob? I mean, we've we've run into the problem now. This is, I mean, Andrea Skinner resigned and got criticized for resigning. She was a volunteer. She got criticized for resigning. She's a volunteer. I, I that's that's the problem now. Is that I I don't think people understand the depth of uh, and passion for the game that people get involved in. Um, and then get shit on. Why would you want to be involved in it if you're going to just get shit on? Well, if you're I don't getting understand. shit on, well, wait a second. You're, she, they're she, not getting shit on for nothing. Bob, she got she she what she got she took over on the chair at the chair four months ago. Everything had happened long before she was there, and we're now was she awful in, in front of the uh, the heritage committee? She was terrible. Correct. She was terrible. But that but but you're not going to get good people unless you create a structure that allows this type of thing to happen without criticism and, and with checks well, and balances, no, hold on, hold on, without not checks and balances, without fair criticism is okay. Some of the criticism hasn't been fair. Uh, it, it, it's a difficult one, I, but I think you have to find someone to say, we're doing it, we're appointing it. And really in the world that we live in, the only place that can happen is on Parliament Hill, I think. Because Perfect. otherwise, oh, because sorry. otherwise, you got hockey people saying, "Stay away." That's right. We're hockey people. Right. We know what. That's what. That's the problem. the problem in the first place. Right. We. So, you need. You need an overarching theme, an or overarching position, and and that's what government is supposed to do anyway. 
well, yeah, the, the, the people have to be involved and you know, not to not to get, you know, not not to raise eyebrows or have people shake their heads, but you know, the only way people can get anything done is through their elected representatives. And you hope that you hope that they get it right, but at least they have they have the the grassroots uh, um, at heart in in what they're trying to do better. This was this was an organization that nobody paid attention to, and by not paying attention to it because it's hockey and hockey people must know hockey, they didn't they didn't they didn't know hockey even if they thought they did because everything they did wrong hurt the hell out of hockey. Bert, you want to throw your two cents in? They're almost at a, at a place like this will sound goofy, but a hundred years ago, baseball was in turmoil and they had, they hired Kennesaw mountain Landis, right. And yeah. made him the commissioner. Now yeah, he was, he was a terrible guy and a racist and history has discounted him, but they needed a strong individual. One individual who said, I'm in charge. It's all going to start with me. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and you answer to me. Uh, now, we, we, could the same thing happen in hockey today? Who are you going to get? You're going to get Ken Dryden? Well, maybe 20 years ago, somebody like that, a smart guy who understands the game and had a conscience, you know, he was the guy that the Leafs brought in after the, the pedophilia scandal, right? right. Uh, I mean, a guy like that would have been fine when he was a younger man, I would say. But I I, I can see that as, as a one you know, one czar, one person gets hired to be the face of Hockey Canada and says, look, my first job is to keep all the lights on in all the arenas. And then we'll go from there. Well, bit, so let me ask you, who's the most trusted person in hockey today? Has John Stewart ever seen a game? Because <laughs> <laughs> he, get, he gets things done better than anybody I know. Sure he does. Yeah. But who's the most trusted person in our country today? Well, when it comes to the game of hockey. Who do you think it is? That, John? That, that isn't on this show, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely not on this show. Um, you, you know, I mean, this points back at our guest last Monday, Bob. Somebody That's... you got... Somebody, you have to be have the trust. He has to have the trust of people. This is a... I mean... Who are we talking about? Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. I mean, you look, you look at, you look at where, what Wayne has done, what Wayne understands. Uh, and, and Wayne is, Wayne is one of the smartest hockey people. It's a, I'm not suggesting that he get the job, but they can't pay anybody enough to do this job. Well, that's the problem. Though, John. That is I, the problem. I, I that don't is think, the problem, Bob. Yeah. I don't think, you know, the more I think about it, you're probably right. Gretzky would be good at it, but he, there's no way he's leaving TBS to do this job. They pay them too much money. They and, don't, and I, they, you could not get paid enough money to well, exactly. organize hockey in our country right now. Well. You couldn't. So how are you gonna get Gretzky? No, no, you, that, was, that was, I didn't say how I was gonna get Gretzky. I was saying that you, to, uh, to Perk's point about just uh, Judge Landis, was that you know there was an iron fist? This is what we're doing. This is it. Right. We don't care. Well, first of all, this is 2022. Life has to happen by committee. It can, doesn't happen right. anymore 
that doesn't happen anymore as an individual with with dictatorial powers. No, but, but, that, but I threw out a name. I threw out a name that somebody could say, well, at least he understands what's going through. At least he believes in the game. And more importantly, at least people trust him. Well, but what you also have said or suggested implied is that Gretzky would put together the rest of the infrastructure. Well, that's what has to happen. We need, we need, of course. Goes, that goes back to that word I used off the top was governance. This is, this is a, this is a, a, a hellhole of governance now. That's what yeah. it is. We could, we could name 50 people and 49 of them would say, thank you, but no thanks. And you'd right. be left with whoever the 50th was. I'm guessing Wayne Gretzky would be one of the 49. So do I. So do well, I. We all so, do yeah. for a variety of reasons, nonetheless. But, but, um we're probably well you tell me how are we for time because i just want to make one more baseball comment quick quick is this this is why we love the game because games like this happen and we can dissect them for 45 minutes here and three hours tonight john yes sir um and, and uh yeah the jays lost but anybody who was at that game will never forget being at that game and um, we enjoy sitting in the stands and managing both teams and loving how the game plays out, no matter how it plays out, especially when it's one of these wow, once in a lifetime games. So hooray for baseball, if not for the Blue Jays. Uh, put me in charge that is, of I tell you, Canada. I was going to say, there we are. That is the best Dave Hodge cup half full discussion I've ever heard. That's a I cup half it, full. I think you the are, cup you is are, damn, near, uh, damn near overflowing with love for baseball. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Perk, I'm not used to Dave being this positive. It's great well, to be asked. I, That's I don't all understand. I don't understand any of you and the positive <laughs> attitude. Um, well, that, that's best. I mean, really, I feel better now. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, Hodge Perkins, we love you. You know that. Um, and we'll uh, we'll run into you soon enough down the road. Thanks, boys. Uh, Dave Hodge, Dave Perkins. We'll come back and wrap this thing up after these messages. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And we are back. Our thanks to Hodge and Perkins for uh, being with us. I don't know. You want to go back to the baseball thing? Or you, is there no, any more on the hockey on. thing right now that you want to address? Well, I, I, you know, I, this, is, this isn't the end of the beginning. Is this the beginning of the end? No, this isn't the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning. Because they're, they're, you know, Hockey Canada still has a role to play. Or let's put it this way. The governing body of hockey in our country of amateur hockey still has a role to play with the 13 federations. There's an, you know, there are things that this, this group does on a regular basis with grassroots, with insurance for all the 13 federations, 
So operationally, they need to keep going. Now they need to try to find a, a new leadership and perhaps a new structure. And I think that this is not a simple thing as we tried to indicate in the previous segment. Uh, and it will be interesting to see where it, where it comes out now and what happens and, and who takes over. Um, as you know, Bob, and you, cause you've been around sports all your life. Um, you know, the only thing that volunteers have is power. That's the only thing they have. And at this point in our, in, in, in the hockey world, we need to get past the power and we need to find a way uh, to create some transparency and some compassion um, for what's going on in the game and make the game better. And I, I don't know if there's anybody out there that can do that quickly. I think it's going to take a long time. Well, you know, throwing names around is uh, sort of a waste of time at this point, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's thousands of them that, you know, you could bring up and make a case for but clearly what you need is, I think, is somebody who has had a history of building an organization. It's and, really and being has able to nothing. build consensus, right? And be able to build consensus. You're right. Yeah. It doesn't have to anything to do with hockey. Nothing to do with hockey. I, I, think, agree, I agree with that. I and do in agree many, with that. In many ways, if you had somebody who has no interest in hockey, maybe even isn't a fan of hockey, I'm not sure that isn't a better way to go. Might be. Because then be, you don't have any right. associations, you don't have any preconceived notions, you can just do what you think is right for the business. This is a 60 plus million dollar a year entity. Yeah. And all of their sponsors are gone, and they've got to get them back. And the way to get them back is by making those sponsors believe in what you're doing in the future. And there um, has to be a new structure of accountability. And somebody outside the game would probably do a better job of that. I agree. Uh, we will watch what happens next. Uh, we'll see what the the next shoe to drop is. Uh, we got to get out of here. For John Shannon, Bob McCallum, we'll see you tomorrow. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.